0: Welcome to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real life stories and techniques to power up your business.
1: Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use the tools that are out there to help them and their businesses become as successful as possible. We're going to deviate just a little bit today. Actually, maybe it's more we're going to talk about the foundation of social media. Oh, we're just going to cover all sorts of things, Um, because today, joining me from the University of Florida is Uh, Dr. Andrew Selipak. So, welcome, Andrew. Welcome.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Great. Well, you know, it's really is going to be different. You're not the first university person I've talked to because I have talked to several other university folks who are responsible for their own social media postings for their university. But it's cool because we get a totally different perspective on the use of social media, for marketing, you know, all of those various things. So, before we start, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So... Andrew is the director of the Master of Arts in Mass Communication program with a specialization in social media at the University of Florida in the College of Journalism and Communications. And he is the director of the Master of Arts in Mass Communication with a specialization in web design and online communication. That's a big thing to put on somebody's diploma. Holy cow. (laughs) And a
0: business card, too.
1: I know, it wraps around the back. <laughs> so Andrew also teaches courses in the Department of Telecommun- Telecommunication at the University of Florida. He holds a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Virginia in American History, a Master of Arts from George Mason University in Communications, and a Ph.D. from the University of Florida in Mass Communications. His research interests include political communication online and social media including video games music television and websites so again welcome Andrew <laughs> thank
0: you I feel like that was uh, pretty much the the longest introduction that I could have gotten
1: it's fun it's fun you know, and and I like people to have a good intro so that they know that you are an expert in this you know and and of course you are because you have a PhD you're responsible for these these programs at the University of Florida but So many people are, and I'm putting these in my air quotes, experts in social media and in using it as a marketing tool and things like that. And you actually teach it. And that's what I love about this.
0: Well, and that's the thing. You know, I I actually, when people say, oh, well, you're an expert in social media. And I always kind of like to take a step back and go, well, no, I, I teach in this. I run a program in this. But I think anybody who really says, well, I'm an expert in social media, they might know one particular Aspect pretty well, right? But social media is such a, a, a huge area that if anybody says, Well, I'm an expert in all of it, you kind of have to give them a little side eye because mm-hmm. there's no way every, anybody can know that much about this topic that is so expansive and, and impacts so many different industries and so many different right. parts of our lives.
1: And it changes every day. Yes. You know, it seems like every time I log on to Facebook, There's something new. There's something different. You know, somebody saying, now, wait a minute, where did this go? Or, hey, I have this feature today and nobody else does. Um, LinkedIn makes change. All the platforms make changes. So, you know, and plus there are literally hundreds of social media platforms. You know, we're, we're all familiar with the big guys. But depending on your industry, depending on what you're using it for, it gets down to some pretty small niche markets.
0: And, and that's the thing, you know, when, when I look at it, I mean, my phone has, I don't know how many apps on it at this point, but it would be impossible for me to use every social media app and platform. I, there's just not enough time in the day. I don't, I, I need to eat. I need to sleep. There's other things mm-hmm. I need to do. And there's no way you I can teach. Yeah, mm-hmm. teach. Um, I was even thinking about just the major things of eating and sleeping. If, if right. I did nothing else, I still wouldn't have mm-hmm. time to cover all the different mm-hmm. platforms. And, you know, that that's the big aspect that You know, depending on what you're doing, whether it's just from a business perspective, a social perspective, um, the type of company that you're working for, the type of company you're working with, you as a customer, I mean, there's so many different platforms and aspects. And and I think that's why a a lot of people sometimes may just throw their hands up and go, it's just too much. Or, um, you know, some people say, well, I'm an expert. And then you kind of ask them about certain things and they don't quite know about this Mm -hmm. platform or how this thing works and then as you mentioned it changes so much Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know just the simple things like Instagram I mean Instagram for years was just this nice little thing that Facebook owned and you could post pictures there and you know we've seen over the past few months how you know Zuckerberg's basically said I'm taking on snapchat because they wouldn't sell to me and I'm gonna add all these features to Instagram to start taking on um, snapchat and Mm-hmm. You have to, and, and because there's so many people who use Instagram because it's owned by Facebook, I mean, it's got mm-hmm. over 500 million users, um, you know, you, there's a lot that you need to learn almost on a daily basis when it comes to Instagram now.
1: Right. And, you know, that's one of the problems that business owners have. You know, they'll they'll talk to me and they'll say, you know, I'm I'm not using social media for business because I can't be on Facebook. I can't be on LinkedIn. I can't be on Twitter. I can't be on Instagram. I can't be on, and, you know, pretty soon their little eyes have glazed over and I tell them pick one it's okay, just pick one <laughs> you know, and and go from there yeah. but you know let's let's take a step back because the one of the things that is so complicated in this is the fact that virtually everybody defines social media differently, and you know there is it's not like you know even if you go to Wikipedia. That that's well, definitely chain. Yes, yes. Oh, anyway, I, know. I love that. It's funny because most people don't think of Wikipedia as social media, but nope, it is. Um, how in your classes, how do you define social media?
0: Well, and that's the thing. I, I as the director of the program, you know, it, part of the program is a, is is a bit influenced by sort of my own take on it. Um, right. And I would say that my view of social media is very expansive. It's very holistic. I think it's not, it's basically, you know, sort of human communication that includes some sort of feedback loop. It's not, you know, Mm -hmm. your traditional, and and not to get too academic, it's not, you know, the traditional model of mass communication, of one-way communication, but it's an all-way communication. So anything Mm -hmm. that allows that, and that covers everything from, you know, your mainstream social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, but it also covers... how we then interact with those things. So it can be the internet of things. It can Mm -hmm. be your smartwatch. It can be um, Google Home. It can be Snapchat. It can be dating apps. It can be blogs. It's it's basically all the different means that we now use to communicate beyond Mm -hmm. those traditional media of, okay, here's TV, here's newspapers, here's um, uh, radio. And mm-hmm. by that broad definition, what you're then looking at is is a, a new, a radically new form of human communication different from what we've had for hundreds and hundreds of years when it right. came to, you know, basically since the printing press.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it is about being able to interact, you know, Correct. and not, obviously not everybody does, or we just all go berserk, but, you know, it, it's about allowing comments on a newspaper's stories that are online. Or, you know, you mentioned dating apps where people can respond Their Blogs. You know, anytime you have a blog post where you allow comments, that's social media. And I think that's what gets so confusing is, you know, people think social media, and they do think LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, you know, Instagram, that kind of the, it's, it's probably less than 10 of the big sites and they forget that there's so many other ways and, and methodologies of social media.
0: Yeah. And you know, and also when you just think about the ways that we access it as well, because that's influencing how we engage with mm-hmm. the different social media. Because if you think about your cell phone, I mean, when was the last time you actually had a, a camera? There, there's three different stages, I think, for this. When was the last time you had a camera mm-hmm. that had a roll of film in it? Right. Then take, yeah, it. I
1: was going through some stuff from my great aunt the other day and we had negatives yeah. and and we were throwing them away because we said, you know, you, you, we can't even look at them, <laughs> let alone get them printed. And,
0: and the amazing thing is I, a, a couple months ago, back in November, um, I actually I had some time off around the Thanksgiving holiday. I, I went over to Europe for about eight days. And mm-hmm. I was going to bring my digital camera, and then I, I went to Best Buy. I was like, well, my digital camera's a little bit older, and I, I talked to them there, and I said, should I get a new digital camera? And the guy said, well, let me see your cell phone. I showed him my cell right. phone, and he goes, actually, your cell phone's going to be as good of a camera that, as we have, unless you really mm-hmm. want to step up and, and get a right. larger, you know, the typical mm-hmm. digital camera is about the same quality as my cell phone. And right. With my cell phone, though, I can take it and then pretty much instantly, so long as I have a Wi Fi connection, upload it to Instagram. I can, you know, I'm taking Mm -hmm. Snapchat pictures, it's uploading to Facebook. And that is how like technology has impacted us as well because, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, the Instagram is so popular because I take a picture with my phone, I upload it immediately. So you Mm -hmm. have to also kind of think about how these technologies, the hardware, is part of this ecosystem when it comes to social media because mm-hmm. how they're intertwined,
1: right? You know, and and it is—it's instantaneous. You know, and, and that's what people have come to expect. You know, uh, say I, I comment on somebody's Facebook page, you know, ask a business question. In essence, you know, I want to do business with you and spend money, and if they don't respond right away, you're like up on to the next one. You know. And, and it is what this society has become. We expect these communications to take place so quickly that when they don't, we get annoyed.
0: Well, when we don't get instant satisfaction or instant right. gratification. Um, and and that's, I think, part of the fact that we've kind of been trained that way and it's been heading in that direction. We don't mm-hmm. want to wait. Um, it goes back to what I was mentioning with, with film. I mean, I... I can't imagine going on vacation taking pictures anymore with a camera with film not knowing what those pictures are until I get home I send them off to get developed right. they finally come back a couple of days later or even an hour. I don't want to wait an hour for my prints to be developed mm-hmm. anymore and you know we just we have lost a little bit of our uh, ability to just sit and wait for things which right. which is not necessarily a bad thing I mean it's sort of you know the the microwave aspect we don't sit and mm-hmm. cook we just Pop it in the microwave. eats heats up. Right. We're ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. Social media is kind of a, just the next continuation of, you know, our microwaving of food.
1: hmm You know, and, and it is. It is that instant gratification. And, you know, and I don't care if you're, you know, a baby boomer, a millennial, you know, all those various categories. We have all come to expect that, you know, we, we get immediate feedback. And it's funny because it, it goes the other way, too. You know, we might write a post and if somebody doesn't retweet it or share it or like it, you know, it, we're like, oh, oh, you know, oh, they didn't like me. Well, you know what? Maybe somebody just wasn't sitting there staring at their computer when you did it.
0: Yeah. Or if you you, know, you I, I know with a lot of students, if you post a picture to, with them, if you post a picture to Instagram, you know, if it doesn't get enough likes on Instagram, they mm-hmm. might actually pull the picture. Right. Uh, I figure well, it's,
1: it's not worth. Yeah, it's not good
0: enough. I didn't get mm-hmm. X amount of likes. I, I have, you know, a thousand friends on Instagram. I should have gotten at least 500 likes on it. Why aren't people? This is obviously mm-hmm. isn't a good picture, and they'll pull it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we all have that aspect to us when we use social media. There's, right. um, there's a professor at the University of Virginia. Uh, I, I'm at the University of Florida now, but I, I did do UVA for undergrad. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's a professor at the University of Virginia who called use of social media a form of techno-narcissism right and I think it's really a great term I use that term every semester with my students um, and I think it's just a really great just little term to use because in a way at least on a personal level that's kinda what social media is we Mm -hmm. we post things we want likes we want shares we want comments um, and, and for the most part, we post the best things about us. We post our vacation pictures. We post our engagement pictures, baby pictures, birthday pictures. Um, it, it's how we project the most positive self that we can.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it definitely is a status symbol. You know, how many likes do you have? How many friends do you have? Um, you know, I'm, I'm continually being asked that. And I tell people, yeah, okay, it, What they'll say, now what is your total well, you know, shoot, you add all of it together and it's over 10,000. But how many of those are duplicates? Quite a few. Yeah. You know, I'm connected with somebody on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So, you know, they count three times in those numbers, but they're actually only one. And, you know, but but it is, you know, and we, we rate businesses on that or even friends. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody sends me a friend request on Facebook, I look at how many uh, mutual connections we have. If there's none, I don't accept it at all. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, this is a troll. You know, I'm I'm not going to go there with this this man in the uniform. I love those. You know, and and you know and and but I also look at the ones. Well, we have ten mutual friends. Okay, so I might actually go to their profile and look at them. Are they new? Eh, If they're new, okay, then, you know, but all these various things and and LinkedIn, you know, that's, we are always looking at how many connections do you have? How many Twitter followers do you have? I mean, you know, the, the celebrities that have millions, well, it must mean they're important because they have 11 million Twitter followers.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't have 11 million. Um, (laughs) But it it is true. You know, when I it's, I'm in a, a potentially slightly different position because of I teach a couple hundred students every semester, more or less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get a lot of um, LinkedIn requests. And if it's, I'll look at the LinkedIn page. If it's from a student, I, I'm going to accept it. I,
1: right.
0: I, that I feel like it would be kind of rude not to accept a LinkedIn request mm-hmm. from a mm-hmm. student, especially when I tell them to use LinkedIn.
1: Yes. Um, mm-hmm. At
0: the same time, I'll get LinkedIn requests. And like you're saying, I, I'm like, I don't know who you are. We don't mm-hmm. have any connections.
1: And you didn't give me a reason.
0: Yeah. Cause then, cause then you kind of wonder, well, who are you and how did you right. find me?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I tell people, you know, never, ever, ever, um, you know, like now you and I, I think we're connected on LinkedIn. If we're not, I, you know, I send a connection very soon and hopefully <laughs> you'd remember me, but I, you know, anybody else I say, you absolutely have to personalize that request mm-hmm. because, you know, maybe it's somebody you used to work with. Maybe it's somebody that you met at networking two, you know, two weeks ago. We don't remember. You know, that's kind of the the other thing with all this constant bombardment of information. I don't remember who I met yesterday, let alone somebody I might have worked with four or five years ago. So just be polite and remind me who you are and why you want to connect with me.
0: And, you know, it is one of those things because we're constantly bombarded with information, with messages, with advertising, with new people, with friend requests, with likes, you can't remember everybody. No, nobody mm-hmm. has. I mean, yes, there might be that one person that has that you know a perfect photographic memory that right. knows everybody they've ever met at, at all times. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, yeah, you can't remember everybody that you met, that you saw at a conference, that you know you even met at your cousin's wedding three years right. ago. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also have to look at it from the vantage point that social media is really used to connect to others, and, and those connections right. help you get opportunities in the future. So then you you do get these requests, and you suddenly think, well, maybe I should go ahead and accept because mm-hmm. this might be somebody who maybe in the future could help me accomplish something—not necessarily right. get a job, but you know—and and most of us now are, we live in such a connected world that. A connection on social media is not about necessarily finding a job, but I know, and and my, what I do, I'll have people I connect with on social media who'll send me a message: "Hey, my company is uh, looking to hire in this particular area. Do you know anybody?"
1: Right, and you have hello students who are graduating, <laughs>
0: and I have a lot of people who are looking for jobs mm-hmm. come every mm-hmm. uh, late December, May, right. and sometimes mm-hmm. in August. So that mm-hmm. can be really helpful, and it's very useful, and then. I can share out those jobs across social media, and and it's sort of an interconnected world of helping people get hired.
1: Right. You know, and and it is, that's one of the the big benefits, is we are so interconnected, you know, and and whether it's that, you know, we're just connected with people who can make other connections, or if we're using it for business. Now, granted, brick and mortar, you know, it's a little bit different for them. But I tell people, it's not really who you're connected with. It's who your connections are connected with. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, say you're a restaurant here in Atlanta. And you're thinking, well, I should only be connected with people who are in Atlanta. Well, maybe the person in Pennsylvania knows 20 people here in Atlanta. You know, all of those various things. So it's when you start to limit who you're connecting, that, you know, it sometimes can, can come back and bite you. Well, it's
0: I mean, it's also the fact that we we just have you know more than probably any other generation in the past the ability to travel. So Right. I'm in Florida, you're in Atlanta, but there's no reason I, it's a 5-hour drive and mm-hmm. I can go to Atlanta basically any day that I want to. And so mm-hmm. yeah, you might not think about the person who doesn't live within a few miles of you if you're a business, but there's people who are constantly traveling to where you're located. And at the same mm-hmm. time there's nothing that stops somebody from putting a Yelp review or putting an uh, any type of Google review, Angie's List, anything like that, for your company, your business, even if they've never been there before. And we've right. we've kind of seen that happen for different organizations, different companies, when any type of uh, controversy pops up, and suddenly they mm-hmm. get all these negative reviews from people who have never even been in their business. Right. And that's why it's so important to you know constantly monitor what's Mm -hmm. being said about you, even if you don't want to participate, you know, you still need to monitor what's being said.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, and that's so important in the business world, because as you said, these may be false, uh, reviews, all those various things. And, you know, businesses tell me that all the, you know, I don't have enough time to be on social media. And I, you know, and, and I said, well, they're probably talking about you anyway. So don't you want to be part of that conversation? And then that is where they discovered that they had negative reviews or positive. I mean, you know, if it's a good review, hello, thank them. You know, that's and, and I tell people that's where it's so important to acknowledge it and, and say, you know, what's going on. You know, I have clients that when something bad happens, you know, they, they respond immediately and, and it's, they respond with a high level person. So, you know, you know that your complaint was heard and acknowledged by somebody who really is important at that organization. You know, And for the most part, people just want to be acknowledged, yeah. you know, when, especially if we complain. But even if we're, we're, you know, praising, you say thank you or I'm sorry, we're going to fix it. And that does wonders.
0: And, you know, I, I can give you an anecdotal uh, example of that. Uh, there's a particular shoe company. I, I, I've purchased a few of their uh, – I'll say, that I've purchased a number of their shoes. Um,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: have way more shoes than I possibly need. Um, mm-hmm. But they were a little bit older, and they, uh, I was walking uh, here on campus. I was walking to class. While I was walking, the, the soles, for some reason, them both fell off. Oh, no. Uh, while I was walking to campus, got to class, um, and got hey, to class. And you were barefoot. And one of my students took a picture
1: mm-hmm. of
0: my soulless shoes. Uh-huh. And I, I actually tweeted to the company the picture and I said, oh, my, my soles fell off. And they, they, within almost minutes, they tweeted back to me and they said, hey, we're sorry to hear about that. That's terrible. Here's an email address. Please contact us. Uh, emailed them, told them the situation. They said, well, that, those shoes are actually about 10 years old. However, mm-hmm. right. uh, we feel really bad about that. He, we would like to send you a $100 gift certificate for you to purchase another pair of shoes with our company. Mm-hmm. and went online found a pair of shoes that were 150 so i spent more money
1: right which was kind of what their plan probably I think was that was
0: their goal um and you know i continue to wear their shoes buy their shoes own their shoes mm-hmm. in fact i'm wearing a pair of their shoes right now uh mm-hmm. and that that's the thing like when you feel a company is responsive you then develop loyalty and that's mm-hmm. i mean we all develop loyalty to companies develop loyalties to brands that's Right. That's your Coke versus Pepsi argument. That's your, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the sort of classic examples. Are are you a Ford person or a Chevy person? Do mm-hmm. you, uh, is it Miller Lite or Bud Light? We develop kind of the, the uh, loyalty to a brand. There's a brand mm-hmm. expectation that we buy into. And when a company has very good customer service, especially when it comes to customer service over the social media our Mm -hmm. brand loyalty becomes that much stronger when we feel like we've been you know kind of we've we've gotten a response that someone cared because we want if we connect to a company we connect to a business we connect to a brand we're doing so because we think they somehow care about us there's a Mm -hmm. a bit of a parasocial relationship that we develop with them that you know this this conglomerate you know (laughs) that we think really cares about me and when Mm -hmm. they can demonstrate that even on social media it, it kind of makes us feel like it's true.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, because it comes back to that social aspect, you know, and and social media has changed customer service so much that it's just incredible, and and especially with complaints, because when you get mad, you've got your phone and you immediately go, you know, and and five minutes later, when you're calmer, you're thinking, oops, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but. You know, it, it is one of those things where if a company isn't monitoring that, and obviously it depends on your industry and and things like that, because you know sometimes a twenty four hour turnaround is not a big deal. Sometimes a fifteen minute turnaround is is what's needed. But you know, it it is, you know, it's it's what we said we expect that immediate gratification,
0: and that's gonna that's goes kind of full circle to what we were talking about earlier. Um, it's because we we have this desire to have someone listen. Uh, We have this desire to, for someone to care about Mm -hmm. what we have to say. Um, You know, looking from, you know, if you go back, say 20 years, 25 years, you know, if if you watched a TV show or if you read something in the newspaper, you heard something on the radio, you called into the station or you called into the paper, you wrote a letter to the editor. And maybe mm-hmm. somebody would read it, maybe somebody would answer your phone call, maybe your letter to the editor would get published the next day in the paper. That's gone now because instead we now comment on Facebook. I just heard this right. news story and here's my complaint. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, tweet back to the story that, that the news organization just posted on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, We expect that our voices will be heard. We, we don't have, we, we have no belief now that Every one of we basically have a belief that every one of us have a voice that should be heard, whether right. that's right or wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. We do have this belief that my voice should be heard, and mm-hmm. even when it comes to customer service with a business, when it comes to a news organization, when it comes to the government, uh, mm-hmm. we expect to be heard in a way that I don't think was common, um, you know, with within the past twenty five, a little over twenty years ago, maybe.
1: Right. Right. You know, and, and it is true. You know, you, we did used to write the letter to the editor and, and all of those things. And, and, you know, and I'm a PR person, you know, that is what my training is. And, and just that whole thing with how it's changed. I, you know, I had uh, an editor, uh, a, a news desk director back in Colorado who said, you know, don't email me with a story idea. Don't call me. Don't do anything. Tweet me. If you can't tell me in 140 characters, why I should care about your story. It's not worth it, and I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. "Okay."
0: I think that might have been a little bit kind of a lazy <laughs> editor.
1: That was that was an extreme, yeah. but you know, it is something that really has changed how public relation works, how marketing works, all of those various industries. And I love that you are teaching it. Um, you know, I taught at Metro State University in uh, Colorado. And it's been, you know, five, six years ago that that I taught there, but we didn't even mention social media in the business communication classes. And, you know, and and it was funny because that was what I was doing for a living. And I was just baffled with the fact that the textbooks, it wasn't the department, it was that the textbooks hadn't caught up to the fact that social media was a tool that we needed to really be talking about.
0: Well, and and that's one of those things where right or wrong, sometimes, you know, it, it depends on who's writing the book. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you have somebody who's writing a book who doesn't use it, then they won't think about including right. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also kind of feel like, you know, with a lot of my classes, I, I actually will rarely use textbooks from the perspective that, uh, let's say, starting, you know, right now, I decide I'm going to put together a textbook on, let's say, public relations, um, right. and or business. Well, mm-hmm. it's going to take me a couple months to write. It. Right. It's going to take me a couple months for it to get published. And then mm-hmm. it's going to take a couple more months for some professor, some university decide to go ahead and incorporate it into their class. Mm-hmm. Then it's not until the next time the class is actually offered that they're actually going to make it a reading. So it right. could be a year, a year and a half before that textbook is actually read. And as mm-hmm. we've been talking, I mean, everything can change so quickly in right. these areas that mm-hmm. after a year and a half, it's pretty
1: dated. right you know, even if it's just the the images that you used, yes. you know, they've, they've changed the layout of the pages, all of those various things. And
0: I, I've seen that sometimes with, um, you know, the dealing with students is that they'll sometimes pick up on the wrong aspect. They'll pick up on the aspect of, well, this particular thing in the article that you had us read, it's old. Like we, it's Facebook mm-hmm. no longer does this. And right. it's kind of like, Well, that's not the whole point of the article. Yeah, the the
1: concept (laughs) is.
0: Yeah, because when it comes down to it, I mean, as as I was saying, social media really is sort of a communication to others with an expected feedback. And there's a very conceptual aspect. There's a very kind of um, fundamental layer to that form of communication. And that's really the big thing to be understood: that when you put a message out there, people can respond. Um, it's right. not one-way communication; it's not top-down communication. And I mm-hmm. think you know a lot of industries are kind of scared of that. You know, they mm-hmm. they like to be in control of the communication. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you send out a tweet, well, people can comment, but then people can comment on someone else's comment. So suddenly, right. you're not even involved yeah, in. The it went
1: conversation. in a totally different direction. Yeah
0: and and i think a lot of businesses might be a little concerned that they don't have the control over the conversation Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: the the problem is those conversations are gonna happen no matter what right and you can either kind of bury your head in the sand and i I would say I, i would like to believe and 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 i would have to hope at this point that most companies and businesses they they may not know how to use social media but at least they know that they should um, right, and that it's not something that can be avoided, or you know, mm-hmm. they can't look at it as some kind of fad. Now, mm-hmm. you might be able to look at specific uh, platforms as a bit more fad than others. Um, Google Plus's reign uh, is not exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the
1: same, Google Plus, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but at the same time, I mean, I I still will put things on the Google Plus because. You know, until I understand what Google's algorithm is, I know that Google Plus probably is going to get a little bit of a bonus in their search results.
1: It's their toy. They're going to give it a bonus. Yeah,
0: they love their own stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm a Google person. I have the Android phone. I have Google Home. Um, You know, so I'm a Google person. And Mm -hmm. for that reason, I'm going to use the Google products. And mm-hmm. I know that if they're going to give it a little bit of a bump, as minor as it may be, it's still an important thing for me to use. Right. But at the same time, if I spend five minutes on Google+, what five minutes am I not spending on something else? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where businesses and business owners and small business owners, that's what they need to kind of realize. It's not that you should avoid. It's not that you should only, you know, kind of figure out, well, which one is the best best one for me to use, what you just need to kind of realize is there's only so much time in a day. There's only so much mm-hmm. time that you can put towards this particular thing. And if you're going to do it yourself, you've got to prioritize.
1: Right.
0: And prioritize means, you know, figure out the best way to reach your target audience, your target customers. Mm-hmm. And obviously some platforms are better than others to reach your particular audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you are uh, selling... Um, Medical equipment for people with arthritis, probably putting together a big Snapchat campaign is not going to be your best bet.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: But if you're trying to reach, you know, thirteen, to, if if you're trying to reach young kids, if you're trying to reach, you know, sort of thirteen to twenty one year olds, Snapchat would be an incredible place to put your stuff as opposed to maybe Facebook.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, it, it is something that. it's just another marketing tool. Mm -hmm. You know, people ask me, well, how did you get into teaching people social media? And I tell them it's because I'm a marketing person and it is a marketing tool. It's all about finding out where your potential customers are. You know, you might think Facebook is the greatest thing in the world, but you're right. If that's not where the potential customers are, then don't spend your time there.
0: Well, I mean, and you know, uh, the metaphor of a tool is exactly right. If you think about, you know, the classic construction worker with their tool belt, Mm -hmm. they don't have every tool in their tool belt because Mm -hmm. they don't need some of them. Mm -hmm. Depending on the type of job that they're doing, those are the tools that they need. And do they sometimes have to go get new tools or borrow new tools? Yes. But you don't show up to the job site with every tool ever made and Mm -hmm. expect to use every tool for a particular job. And -hmm. whether it's public relations, it's advertising, if it's working in the news industry, if it's basically communicating... Not every tool is appropriate in every situation, nor do you maybe ever need every single tool for whatever your occupation is.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, that you could borrow that tool. Well, maybe it does mean that you outsource if you're a business, you know, all so, of those various things.
0: And, and there are plenty of people who, you know, what I've seen um, with, our, with our students is there are a lot of students who just want to freelance. They want to do little Mm -hmm. freelance jobs. They don't necessarily, and it goes back to the fact that the world has changed, you know, Mm -hmm. and and the the metaphor or the idea that, you know, you you finish up with school and then you go work at a factory making widgets for 30 years, then you retire with Mm a gold watch. I don't know when that was true, but it's definitely not been true for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people switch jobs, they change jobs, they're more mobile, they, they move, they work remotely, they freelance. Um, and these are things that, you know, if your business is, if you don't have, if you can't afford to have somebody dedicated to be doing this, well, you can hire somebody part-time to freelance and, and perform right. this for you. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of students, that's what they want to do because it can mm-hmm. be done remotely. Um, you know, you don't actually have to hire somebody who even lives in your town. That might mm-hmm. be helpful because they might know your customers a little bit better. Right. You can meet them face to face. But it's completely unnecessary to actually have somebody in your town doing mm-hmm. your marketing over social media.
1: Right. You know, and, and, and long gone are the days when you had to have them physically in that office. As long as you've got good communication with them, it doesn't matter where they are.
0: And it, I guess where that's even I guess, most more relevant is for our program, our program's online. So our students are not only around the country, they're all over the world. Mm -hmm. So we are teaching students how to communicate while also communicating to them all over the world. They're not sitting in Mm -hmm. a brick-and-mortar classroom. Now, I teach brick-and-mortar classes, but Mm -hmm. I also work with a graduate distance program where – Mm-hmm. It's students meeting basically through a, 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 the media channel of their computer, through their right. webcam, through a, a learning management system, um, through social media. We do all mm-hmm. sorts of things where we interact with our students um, through social media. And, and that's true not just for our graduate distance program here at UF, but that's when I'm dealing with my undergraduate students at UF. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll get messages on Twitter, I'll get messages on Facebook. I'll I'll get all sorts of messages, students asking questions. And mm-hmm. it's just the way that we communicate now.
1: Right. Well and you know it comes back to that immediacy thing. You know, you're sitting there with your phone in your hand. And you know, so you can send a, a tweet to say, Hey professor, I'm running late. Or I've got a question about or, you know, all those various things. And you know, maybe not professor. Maybe it's, you know, you're communicating to a business. Are you open? What's your special today? You know, all of those various things. And, and it, you know, a, a big reason for it is the smartphone. I mean, yeah. you know, it makes it so easy to immediately communicate. And it's funny because, you know, the, the times when you, your battery dies or you wander off and leave it somewhere or lose it, it it's trauma-inducing. I mean, it's it really is something that we've gotten so used to having around. And it really doesn't matter what age you are. Once you kind of develop that reliance, you're stuck with it.
0: It, it's it's an appendage that you can't give up, mm-hmm. um, and and it's you know when I when I talk to my students, i for I think it's been for about two years now. Um, I'll have a lecture class of about 120 students, and I'll ask mm-hmm. you know who has a smartphone. It's been about two years since I had a single student who didn't have a smartphone, right? And that was two years ago when there was the one student who didn't, and everybody kind of looked at them like yeah, they like, were a space Ew. alien. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like wait, you don't have? That? How is that mm-hmm. possible? Um, mm-hmm. And you know, what I think it's interesting is is the fact that you don't even have kind of what you were just saying a moment ago. You don't even have to communicate with the business to find out if they're open. Right. If, if I want to know um, a restaurant near me that's open, I can go to Yelp. I can select mm-hmm. you know hours, which which ones are open currently, right. and I don't need to call them. I don't even need to know what the different restaurants are. Mm-hmm. Yelp will tell me.
1: Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you can say that you're hungry for X food and narrow it down even further. And
0: then I can look at the reviews on Yelp and decide mm-hmm. I might be hungry for that food, but they have really bad ratings, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to eat
1: there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it's funny because, you know, we talk about it being an appendage, and you, we, we don't go anywhere without our phones. I'm curious, do you allow people to be using their phones when they're in your class? I'm just curious about that. So
0: I have... Two different rules when it comes to that, so it's a yes and a no statement. Uh huh. It's a yes statement because I, I'm teaching. I talk to the students all the time about using different platforms and interacting. Right.
1: So they might want to look at it. So
0: they yeah they might want to be on Facebook. They might want to be actually send me a tweet during class. They might mm-hmm. want to um, take a Snapchat during class, and those things are fine. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really don't mind the students participating in that way. The only time when I say no is that sometimes I'll have students who, instead of taking notes, want to take photos of right. the PowerPoints. Mm-hmm. And the, I have two problems with that. One is that you know, study after study will show that the best way to learn material is to actually write it yourself, right. not to take mm-hmm. pictures, because they're not going to go back and look at the pictures. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is it always kind of freaks me out a little bit when there's somebody and they're always sitting in the back row, and every few right. minutes they hold up their phone, and I can see they're mm-hmm. taking a picture of me, and I'm like, <laughs> How do, do I how's my hair? Like,
1: right. Ooh, oh, do I have spinach in my teeth? Yeah.
0: <laughs> do I, did I did I make sure that I'm I'm standing in a good position? But mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, they they should be using it. And you know, with one of my classes, the students will get bonuses each week if they um, include the class hashtag and you know say so cool. something that is particularly interesting relevant to the class relevant to what we're learning and they'll get bonus points on their assignments and it right. might pop up while something we're talking about something in lecture it might pop up mm-hmm. while they're in lab so yeah a hundred percent I want the students to be able to use their cell phone for that reason you know mm-hmm. a couple years ago before there were smartphones the only reason someone would pull out a cell phone would be to send a text message or
1: mm-hmm.
0: to maybe make a phone call during right. class which had Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the class. Mm -hmm. But with smartphones, that's not true.
1: Right. Well, and, you know, from a business perspective, it's tricky, you know, because how are they, you know, say you're in a meeting, you know, why are they using their phone? Are they not paying attention? Um, And, you know, and and when I speak, it's always, it, it distracts me. It's like you said, you know, you see somebody with their phone and, my mind immediately goes to what are they doing? Are they paying attention? Um, you know, now granted, you can kind of tell, did they go type, 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 and then they're looking at you again? Okay, not a big deal. Have they gone squirrel? And they're off, you know, not paying attention at all. You know, are they posting? And, and I'm one of those that I'm, I'm bad about. If I'm at a conference and I like that PowerPoint slide, I'll take a picture of it, but then I tweet it out. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, you know, hey, Andrew just had this great point about... So you know it's i'm so i 'm kind of doing the the hybrid version of it, so i 'm not writing it down, but i'm commenting on it, and that 's why I love it when conferences have hashtags and you know all those various things because, like you said, the hashtag for class it allows all this interconnectivity that's going on
0: and you know that and but that's the other difference i don't think you're when you're taking i 've done that as well I've been in a conference taking a picture of the speaker and the slide behind them And mm-hmm. I think that's very common and i I would actually and a lot of students will take that picture of me lecturing and and they'll tweet it out about something I'm talking about in class. And Mm -hmm. that's one of those things where you're encouraging interaction and you're encouraging professional use of Twitter. Right. You -hmm. know, because what they're saying is, oh, you know, and I guess to toot my own horn for a moment, you know, they're tweeting out like, wow, this is a really cool thing that, you know, Salpak said in lecture today, and he's that they've tweeted out a picture. It's the slide, and maybe I'm standing there. And that's kind of the thing where what they're doing is they're using it professionally, and to an ex- another extent, they're sharing some piece of information or some piece of knowledge that they thought was mm-hmm. valuable with the people that they're connected to, and right. maybe they learn something. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a way for people to share knowledge and share information. Mm-hmm. And if if you using social media in that way. I mean, social media is such an amazing and incredible tool for the mm-hmm. fact that we have the ability to act as our own gatekeepers and right. we can share information and we can potentially help people become smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, I always talk to my students about that. That should be your number one. that would talk to the students. That should be your number one goal is to be smarter today than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that's a very nebulous term of what smarter actually means. Right. But at least you should be more informed. You should be better informed. You should be mm-hmm. a better citizen, a better voter. Um, you should be better informed about the world around you. And a lot of times what you have to do is reach out to social media to become better informed about the world going on around you. Because if you're limited to the 24-hour news networks, there's a good chance you're not going to be very well informed at all.
1: Right. Yeah. Let's Right. Let's talk about that. Because that is probably one of the industries that has seen the the biggest change due to social media. And that's the news industries. You know, people are expecting immediate stories, you know, immediate tweets, immediate Facebook posts, all of those various things. And then, you know, like we said, you get that that feedback from people. You know, no longer are they picking up the phone and saying, well, on your four o'clock broadcast, you know, they're they're posting right away. So in a lot of ways, it's led to misinformation that's that's out there, whether it's that they didn't get to fact check it fast enough or maybe it's not even a reputable media or a news firm. You know, what are your views on that? Because it's it's interesting because we do get, you know, you you had a, you had a tweet. See, I look back on this that was showing how many people now rely almost exclusively on social media to get their news mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, what's interesting is I think this past election, uh, one of the big stories that come out of it was fake news and misinformation and disinformation and disinformation right. campaigns. Um, and, and I think that there is a huge problem. Um, you know, I, uh, other classes that I teach here at the University of Florida, I, I teach students who go on to become news reporters and, news ju- and and journalists. And one of the things that I tell those students all the time, and it's basically been one of those things because of social media nobody really will remember who got it first but they will remember who got it wrong right and that's really an important distinction it's okay to be second it's not okay to be wrong mm-hmm. and you know what, what happens is that a lot of disinformation misinformation is shared and spread on social media and that can be a problem because as we've seen it leads to people having incorrect views about things or they right. get, unnecessarily upset about things I'm Mm -hmm. I'm shocked how often I see stories being shared that are just incorrect Um, Mm -hmm. and I I love uh, Snopes it uh, it's one of my favorite websites because Mm -hmm. I mean they are very quick at updating their their site with new fake stories new false stories right Um, and what's interesting is after the election and it, it you know there's been a lot of talk about well is it this group or this group, and how did it impact the election? And in reality, who did it, why it happened, um, is not the big issue. It's the fact that it did happen, and that is mm-hmm. continuing to happen. And people need to be aware of it, and they need to be conscious that there are fake news stories being promoted and pushed. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. it's you know clickbait and what have you. Um, and actually, this semester, I've created a, a new assignment for my students to work on uh, in one of my undergraduate classes where I really want them to look at the stories that are on different social media and then basically investigate is it a true story and right. you can look at snopes you can look at politifact there's different websites that are basically now being built it's a cottage industry almost of mm-hmm. websites that are trying to kind of disprove the false news stories and the false false stories that are being promoted and right. and kind of Flashing everywhere when it comes to social media when it comes to websites Mm -hmm. and that, you know, clickbait ads at the bottom of a story. And it really has been a a pretty dramatic thing because I think it's led to a lot of people kind of just almost throwing their hands up and going, well, I don't know who to believe, so I'm not going to believe anybody.
1: Right. Well, and, of course, the tricky thing is even with the, the fact checkers, they might have a bias, Yes. You know, and, and so you have to fact check the fact checkers to make sure. And I mean, you know, that's I, you know, I I love the people who, well, you know, so and so reporter has a bias or this newspaper has a bias. That's human nature. You know, it's, it's very difficult to, to totally stay unbiased in this world. So you just have to take into account, OK, well, they're leaning liberal or they're leaning conservative. And that's how the, the, the story is going to, to come about.
0: Well, and what's interesting about that is while I was doing my master's degree, I actually did, uh, I did, wrote my master's thesis on that very particular topic. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a topic that I've, I've looked at and researched since then. And what we've found and, and what, what's what been found in research and, and from you know looking at that specific thing is, interestingly enough, if, if you show an individual who's a partisan, liberal or, or mm-hmm. conservative... Right. If you show them a story that is 100% balanced, 100% even, mm-hmm. they'll actually look at it as a biased story because right. they'll look at 50% of the story and go, well, that's just the God's honest truth. And then 50% uh-huh. of the story, well, that's just liberal you got conservative that wrong. Lies. Uh-huh. So the problem is even a, a well-balanced story still comes out looking as biased. The mm-hmm. only stories that don't come out looking as biased are the ones that actually are very biased, but they right. confirm the biases that we already have. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, that's sort of where I mean, we have. That's where we are at now, because I think, you know, if you look at it, and, and this is maybe getting really far down the rabbit hole, um, we just don't have the same trust in institutions that we did before. Um, right. You know, who do we trust? I, I'm not sure who. You know, we don't trust. The
1: we don't have Walter Cronkite yeah. anymore. We
0: don't have Walter Cronkite, and and you know, basically, I, I would say since uh, the Nixon years, we don't really even have trust in government officials anymore. Right. Um, Right. So it's basically who who's left. And Mm -hmm. the the answer is, I'm not sure. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, and and that's and we do look for news media outlets that go with with our views. You know, that's why CNN and Fox News are very different. You know, and, and anybody who thinks that they're, you know, that they're not biased you know, yes, they are, um, you know, and, and and it's funny because there are people who just absolutely swear by one or the other because it matches their view. Are they misreporting the stories? No. You know, they're just putting their I'm not going to say spin <laughs> They're They're putting their perception on it. And, you know, the, the problem comes on when it truly is a fake story or it's an an entertainer you know Rush Limbaugh John Stewart all of those folks they're not news reporters they're not journalists and they don't promote themselves as being i mean you know that's that's the thing but people take them as being real you know the number of people who thought that John Stewart was a true journalist just baffles me you know he's funny you know and and you know whether you liked him or not what he was doing was really pretty entertaining but it was that it was entertainment
0: well, and you know, the, I think one of the things that people also forget is that, for all the praise that gets heaped on John Stewart, he actually had a fairly small audience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, I think his like his biggest audience was only about three million people, um, mm-hmm. which in a country of three hundred million people is right. a tiny, tiny fraction right. of that.
1: But they were a passionate three million. Yeah, and, and,
0: and I know I was one of those three million. I I, mm-hmm. I, I remember John Stewart when he was still on MTV, um, right. hosting shows on there. And, you know, so I've been watched, I watched him for years. uh, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I I I like what you were saying because it it does kind of lead back to what we were talking about. When I talk to my students, I say, look, in the morning I'm eating breakfast, I switch from CNN to Fox News to MSNBC. I go back and forth between all Mm -hmm. three, depending on who's on a commercial break. Mm -hmm. And it gives me a little bit of a fuller picture.
1: Right, right.
0: But at the same time, when I really want news, I'm on Twitter, and mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter because on Twitter I can follow the BBC, I can right. follow uh, the AP, I can follow France 24, I can follow uh, a lot of international news. And, and mm-hmm. you know, Americans, we really don't know much beyond our own borders. Mm-hmm. And social media, and particularly Twitter, allows me to get those stories in a way that the 24-hour news networks are not going to give me. Um, right. or even you know CBS Evening News, which I, I mm-hmm. think four people watch anymore. But you know it gives me an opportunity to see what's going on in the rest of the world. And it's mm-hmm. such a great thing because, yeah, you're still going to have spin. You're still going to have bias. You're still going to have the perspective of the journalist who's going to report in a certain way, even on those international news organizations. Mm-hmm. But I have access to it. And I love right. having access to say, the BBC on my phone and reading BBC mm-hmm. stories. It's so much better than just being unaware of the rest of the world. And I encourage my students to follow those international news organizations so that they mm-hmm. can see what's going on beyond our borders.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, how many people here in the United States could tell you what Brexit <laughs> you know,
0: well, the thing is, like, how many people in the UK could tell you what Brexit
1: Right. Oh, this is true. At you know, at least there there was the that issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hmm, what, what do we really vote on? Oh, oops. Um, but, but yeah, we we get and I mean, you know, United States has been isolationist isol- uh, isolationists for many, many, many years. I mean, this is not anything new we have always kind of thought, you know, we're this little area that, you know, we, we don't pertain to the rest of the world. So we don't always pay attention to what's going on. But there is so much more that's out there. And, and it is great that you can get that information from Twitter.
0: And, you know, uh, here at the University of Florida, I have a lot of students from other countries. And, you know, they have mm-hmm. families in those other countries. I have family in other countries. Right. And, you know, you want to know, I, mean, I uh, last semester, I think I had a class of 120. I think I had Maybe five students from Venezuela, and they were really interested in what's going on back home because they have so many Mm -hmm. family members there. But if you turned on the three net, you know, three twenty-four hour cable networks, there was nothing about Venezuela. If you turned on, you know, the the regular networks, there was nothing about Venezuela. They had Mm -hmm. to go to social media to Mm -hmm. find out what was going on with grandma, what's going on with my aunts and uncles, what's going on with Mm -hmm. my cousins, and you know, you want to know, and Mm -hmm. it's a really important thing because. As much as you might hear in politics of, of wanting to be isolationist, we are still really connected, particularly in this country, because so many mm-hmm. people are from somewhere else, right. and those people want that information. And at the same time, if you are CNN, you still you do have twenty four hours in a day, but there's still only so much that you can cover. And right. you know we are able to. There's more segmentation. There's more narrowcasting when it comes to online because. If I just want to know about what's going on in Ireland, I will follow just Irish news outlets. And mm-hmm. I follow a bunch of Irish news outlets because I want to know what's going on in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And that is such a great benefit. It's such a, a great thing to be able to do that was not available, you know, 10 years ago, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it's it's interesting because here the the major outlets do still, in a lot of ways, tend to... Follow what the people, I'm putting those in my little fancy air quotes again, are wanting. You know, so rather than talking about a coup in another country, we've got a Kardashian story, you know, and, and things like that, because that's what sells. And, you know, and again, if you can go to Twitter and connect with a reporter who's there, that is where you can, you know, you really see the benefits of it.
0: Well, at the, you know, the, the news does often follow what's trending. Um, right. And that, and that's a relatively new thing as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, when I would a couple of years ago, when I would talk to students about how um, a news director picks which stories they're going to cover in a given day, uh, you know, there's certain criteria that, you know, a news director would look at. And it's, you know, there's plenty of textbooks to talk about. Well, here are the factors that they would look at. But recently, one of the new factors has been what's trending. And, right. and the news starts to kind of chase its own tail of, well, this is what the people are talking about, so we're going to talk about it. Right. Which then leads the people to talk about it more, which means you're going to talk about it more as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it has kind of grown into kind of what you're talking about. Like, it's not necessarily the topics that are the most important or relevant or will allow the voter to be the most informed. Instead, it's, well, the people are talking about this, so we'll talk about it as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I. I I guess a little inside baseball prior to you and I coming on, we did, we were talking about the previous election and, right. you know, what you were looking at. And again, it doesn't matter if you voted for Donald Trump, didn't vote for Donald Trump, didn't vote at all. Um, you know, he was able to kind of control the media because he would tweet something. And then that's what the media talked about. Right. And then because the media, talked, good or bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then because the media talked about it, he would tweet again and then the mm-hmm. media would talk about it again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've been able to see that, since his election. I mean, it, he, that cycle has continued. And again, whether you agree with him, you disagree with him, you love him, you hate him, um, it's still the fact that he has clearly learned how to kind of kind of manipulate the media because he knows right. if he sends out a tweet, they're going to talk about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: whatever else was front page news suddenly becomes back page news because the president of the United States is now tweeting about this particular topic, so we've mm-hmm. got to talk about it now as well. And right. it's it's such a, a incredible thing. You know, you didn't see, you know, it wasn't like President Obama was active, that active on Twitter in the same way. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I would assume that, you know, President Obama being the first real social media president that... Maybe it was the news media kind of catching up, but we're seeing something completely different. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that's going to continue moving forward.
1: Right. You know, and and that is kind of tricky because it it comes back to what we were saying. It was immediate, you know, and and whether you're the city council person or the president, you know, immediately sending your thought about something might need to be tempered, um, you know, and, and but that's also why, Anybody from politicians to celebrities to sports people, all of those various why they love Twitter, because they can immediately connect with, you know, their thousands, their millions of followers with, you know, what they had for lunch, what they think of that person, all of those various things.
0: Well, and that's the thing. There's there's no gate. I mean, the the traditional role of gatekeeper that media would play is is basically been evaporated. Right. Uh, And and I think a lot of journalists, uh, particularly a lot of maybe old school journalists hate that fact that. Yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. you can go around them. I think PR people are, are very confused about right. You know, when How do
1: we pitch a story when the president already, you know, the president of the company already screwed it up? Or the
0: fact that you know, if if you are working for, let's say, you're a PR person working for a sports organization, your athletes can go directly to the media, re- directly to the fans, just by tweeting or posting something on Facebook or doing Facebook Live. I mean, we mm-hmm. we. We've been speaking for a while. We haven't even gotten into what happens with Facebook Live and the fact that you have people right. who are basically their own little mini broadcasters, and then the mm-hmm. news will then cover what an individual, what a private citizen posted on Facebook Live. Um, right. It's it's absolutely amazing. It's incredible to see how much things have changed, and, and to even contemplate how much things are going to change. Um, mm-hmm. The other day, I. I I think I was taking a break from working, working on some PowerPoints and uh, flipped on HBO and Tom Cruise's Minority Report was on. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Minority Report, which, is I mean, that movie is more than, I believe, 10 years old now. Right. There are things in that movie that 10 years ago seemed absolutely amazing that now mm-hmm. we're just seeing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with, with, and it goes back into the, the idea of social media. I mean, you know, VR headsets. You know, mm-hmm. Christmas was a couple months ago, and I bought, uh, for, I bought my mother a VR headset. Uh-huh. So, you know, she, she's sitting there now. She's got her VR headset on. Cool. She's, she's looking at different things. That's absolutely amazing that mm-hmm. it's, it's not only a, a consumer device, but it's a right. relatively inexpensive consumer device. Mm-hmm. And the, the, what's going on with, you know, social media, what's going on with technology, and how it's, it's so rapidly changing and increasing... It, mm-hmm. It's really phenomenal to watch and it's really great to be part of.
1: Right. Well, Andrew, holy cow. We didn't, we, uh, you know, we needed far more than an hour, which just means that I have to have you on again <coughs> because we didn't talk about athletes and social media. We didn't talk about how to be responsible, all these various topics. So, yes, we will have you on again. <laughs> but until then, tell people how they find you and connect with you online.
0: Um, so,. Uh, as the director of the social media program here at UF, uh, there's a, a couple of different ways. The program itself, uh, if you want to learn, there's our Twitter account, and that's at uf social, uh, UF for University of Florida, uf social. Okay. Um, if they want to find me, it's at acelipac. That's my Twitter handle, um, mm-hmm. and pretty much. The- and that's.
1: S E L E P A K. Correct,
0: and the, the nice thing, well, nice and maybe sad thing is that uh, there's not a whole lot of Celepaks in the United States. Oh. Uh, okay. There's <laughs> about five of us, and and uh, I, I'm not even sure how I'm related to maybe two of them. So <laughs> if you find Celepak anywhere, it's pretty much going to be me. Okay. Um, and 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 that's it's it's a kind of a it's a blessing and a curse. If anything good mm-hmm. is said about me, it's pretty easy to find. Uh, anything bad said about me, it's pretty easy to find. Um, right. But that, it's that's the easiest ways to go about it.
1: Cool. And your website is acelepak.com. So again, that's A-S-E-L-E-P-A-K.com. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Andrew, I've been having a great time talking with you. And this really is something that I could talk you know for hours and hours about because it's so fascinating to me and I hope that our listeners today found it just as interesting I,
0: I you know it was great getting to talk to you about these things and, and you're right like I, I I feel like there was a bunch of things we didn't even get to um, and you know that's one of those things it's it's such an interesting and, and fun topic that you could you could speak for hours just as you did. you great. could speak for hours-hmm
1: well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Dr. Andrew Selipak. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more
0: real life stories and techniques to power up your business.